Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. How's it going, everybody? I am really excited to introduce Colleen McGarity back to the Philosophy Podcast, where we are talking about women's lacrosse recruiting. Colleen is the head lacrosse coach and AD at Penn Charter School. She runs a club program called Triple H. She won three national championships and was an All-American at Northwestern and coached Division I lacrosse at the University of Colorado for three years. Colleen is one of the best in the business and really fired up to have you on the show. How's it going, Colleen? Good. Glad to be back. Good. It's already been a week in between our podcasts. I know. And we've got some really important stuff to cover, so let's just dive right in. The Philocrosophy podcast is made possible in part by the JM3 video assessment tool. There is no question that video is critical to player development. One way or another, your son or daughter must utilize video to learn their game and the game. To learn more, see video testimonials, or register, go to www.jm3sports.com forward slash video right now. First of all, you know, I see so many families, um, you know, they worry a lot about the recruiting process. And, and one of the things that I feel like they worry about is what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about the concept of just really controlling what you can control and trying not to worry about everything else and keeping the faith? Right. I mean, I mean, it's actually just happened. I had one of my younger kids, a 2022, come into my office, all worried about her list of schools and what camps. And I'm like, hey, you're playing awesome. All you have to do is just keep playing awesome. Don't worry about anything right now, especially as a 22. And um, even like little things with the 21s where it's a big deal for them you can't get all anxious about like who's watching and making a bad play and all these little things. It'll all work out and just really focus on doing your role the best you could possibly do it and try and be present. So you're going to not play your best if you're always worrying about like, you know, the next game or why is that coach watching another field and not our field? Just kind of focus on the little things, do what you can control. And a lot of the times you can, can't control even getting the ball. So control running hard, control your demeanor, your body language, your off ball movement. So right. I mean, huge. Yeah. And control the, all the things that you can work on, on your, on your own, or when you're not actually at a tournament, like yep. your grades and your strength and conditioning and getting stronger and faster and your skills and playing the game. Um, one of the things that I think is really important too is I, I think it's just really important to just actually be happy for your teammates that are being recruited, even when you're not. Give me your thoughts on that. Well, I love that. Uh, I try and say that all the time. And actually, um, just to celebrate each other, your teammates' successes is, is huge. If not, you get in this little rat race of always comparing and your paths are completely different, completely different for every single person whether you are recruited early, late, whatever you're doing, you're all going to end up at a similar spot somewhere. You just don't know how it's going to happen for you. Um, so it's really genuinely being happy for your teammates and not comparing is huge. Um, and that should actually 
build you up. So I try and make like, Hey, if someone put into perspective, like someone runs a really, really fast mile, don't get mad that they beat you. You now need to get better. So if someone commits to a great school, that's awesome. Now that person is able to challenge you every single day at practice, What better than playing and, and with great players every day. So don't try and, you know, get jealous or compare, just try and yeah. make the best of it. And don't try to figure it out either, because the fact of the matter is, is you can't control who likes you and what they like. I mean, mm -hmm. beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yep. And if you look at it and say, well, I scored more goals or, you know, it's kind of like a coach, a good recruiter can tell if you're good on your worst day. Yes, definitely. That's a good point. I mean, I, that's why I said I, a lot goes into the way you react to a mistake, the way you ride, how hard you're running out there little things that have nothing to do with scoring a million goals. Um, you know, a, a correctly timed cut, you know what I mean? That you might not even realize can help get you on someone's paper. You, you had a couple kids this week that made some great plays and just didn't quite vary. I mean, and you were, and you made a comment that was something along the lines of, listen, you're getting great shots. That's the hard part. Yeah. We'll notice. For sure. I know. Yeah. It happens all the time. They're like, I missed the the net or I shot it right at the goalie stick. I'm like, Hey, don't worry about it. You had four other great goals. And the best part was, was how you beat your defender and how you got the shot off. Like we can, we can correct finishing over the next year and a half together, working together. And then your coach as well is going to work a lot on finishing and shots when you get to college. So, you know, you just got to see the potential and to get those shots off is the hardest thing. There are so many people too that I think are putting so much time into the concern of recruiting and they're like making lists of their mm -hmm. favorite schools. And you know, some of these kids are, are sophomores and freshmen and eighth graders too. And, and really the by far number one thing is to be a good enough player and to focus on getting better. Yep. And one of the things you really need to do though is get expert coaching. And how do you even tell if you're getting expert coaching? And that's tough. I mean, I think a lot can be said for just watching the way people coach on the sideline, but like you need to be evolving with the game and like continuing to play high level lacrosse. So you can't just be really fast and run down the field and shoot, you know what I mean? So it's the games change so much and um, you need to make sure that you're challenging yourself to be in a position to learn the game the way it's being played at the highest level. Um, and yeah. if you're not uncomfortable, you're probably not getting expert coaching. You know, you know what I mean? You should never be comfortable and complacent at a high school level. You need to be uncomfortable at some times, like learning next level things. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also think that, you know, it's kind of like, too, how many, how many things uh, is your club program doing? I mean, uh, how many things are you being taught about different ways to play transition or play offense or play right. defense? And what's in your repertoire? Sometimes I talk to girls that are really good at players and good athletes, and I'll be like, what's your favorite move? You know, give me your top five moves. Right. And they're like, well, I, I kind of, you know, when I do this, and it's like all of a sudden you can tell that person is not getting expert coaching. If right. they can't actually recite what you're doing on offense and why, how you're playing defense and why, what your favorite moves are. I think also just, I mean, it's really hard in club just because it's running clock and you can't have timeouts and, you know, you're trying to put together so many things and you don't even have practices during the week right now because people are all at different high schools doing fall sports. But 
making sure that you you take the time to correct them or celebrate their little things to help them understand that that was a very smart play. Um, yeah. <clears throat> something as simple as like creating off ball space, which I try and really, really help my players that don't get to play high level cross all the time, like understand that they did something right. Like that, the way they faded or the way they cut through or the way they exchanged created that goal which I think if you don't get that positive reinforcement, they don't even realize that they did something correct. You just touched on something that might be the easiest telltale sign of well-coached is how do you move without the ball? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's everything like we've going on, we went over this a bunch together, but only one person has the ball. So the six other people have to be doing something and how can you start to anticipate the next play rather than watching. So I, a lot of times I keep working with my girls on stop reacting and be proactive, like right. trying, especially with free movement. I'm like, you should never, ever be well rested now on attack because you can move all the time. You know what I mean? So like you guys should be dead tired, not dead tired, but like you're always yeah. doing something or For your sure. mind should be going at all times. You should never be staring at someone dodging. You can be doing so much and that could help you get the ball behind the net or back up the ball at a correct time. You know what I mean? So little things that they can start to be, you know, proactive to then give themselves a better opportunity and help the team on that set is huge. It's really important to get um, honest feedback too, and to have somebody that's going to like help break your game down. And it's really difficult because when you've got, whether you're a high school coach or a club coach, you know, in real time, you, you can give the feedback, but sometimes it's pretty hard to give the kind of feedback everybody needs at the end of the year. But I would think better programs are going to give you a little write up on the things that you are doing really well and the things right. that you need to work on. And there's also obviously what you do is pretty awesome with video assessment. Like uh, you helped one of my top 2020s last year, but I don't have the time to break down film for everybody. For, I run, I have eight teams and you know, you're trying to know right. everyone's names and helping everyone. So just making sure you also take the time. That's what we said. Control what you can control is if you have the video or if you have something or, how can you learn from what you did the weekend before? Which sure. a lot of people don't take advantage of that. Like they have access to the video and they might just make a highlight film, but why not watch the whole entire game and see everything, you know, and break it down. And what you do is break down every single time they touch the ball and how many times they could have had the ball or what were their, you know, what was their ratio of completing a successful play and not. Right. Yeah, I mean, video is, you know, the bottom line is if you thought you played really well, you watched the film, maybe you didn't play so well. If, and this is true with players and individuals as well as teams. If you thought you played terribly, you go back and watch. It's like, you know, that wasn't so bad. You right. never really know until you watch the film. And you know this as a coach. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially defensively. I mean, you're more of an offensive eye sometimes, but I think you can see so much, holy crap, like I was one inch away of an interception or if my body wasn't turned this way I would have had the second slide so it's like you really see a lot where like I said you don't have timeouts you have to rush to the next game a lot of times you don't get as much of that feedback as you you want to give them at right. that moment well plus there's like as a coach sometimes it's stuff is obvious and other stuff you can't actually even see until you watch yeah. it later and like I'm a visual learner so a lot of times I'm trying to tell them something I'm like I'm not quite sure they understand what I'm saying yet, but we'll just keep going over it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, whether you use, you know, me or somebody else, getting expert feedback on your video is really, really important. There's so much yeah. we learn from that. Um, 
And, and another thing is, and we, talk, we touched on this a little bit last time, um, but having a great advocate, you need to have an advocate and somebody that people trust. I, I sincerely believe with the way that recruiting is going, there are more and more players. There are more and more good players. There are more and more teams. There are more and more good teams. There are more and more events. And there's no way that college coaches can get a big enough sample size to really know. I mean, you've got what, I don't know, eight or nine division one commits on your team with several more to go. Yeah. There's no way in a half of a game or in a half of five games that coaches are going to really know your players. So therefore they're going to come and ask you about it. Right. A lot of times I would say like, and I have to also know what type of program that is, what they're looking for and be honest with where I need to match my players to those specific programs. Um, and I always just tell my girls from the day one they make my team is like, make it easy for me to help you get recruited. I will not speak highly on someone if they are not a hardworking, good teammate, all of those things you can control that we just talked about. Yeah. So if they do all those things they can control, it makes it easy for me to be an advocate for them. Because if you're hardworking, committed, you know, and you have that potential, it's easy to speak on and they just need to put in the work. The rest is up to them. We talked about this last week. I'm going to lay out the platform. Then it's up to them how hard they want it and how hard they're going to go get it. No doubt. And, and coaches know that you're not going to BS them and tell them somebody's a great fit when they're not. And, and unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there that just, without meaning to, they're overselling or underselling. I mean, sometimes right. coaches are like, yeah, I don't think she's that good. And actually, it's like, man, she's really good or vice right. versa. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, it's a little bit maybe of an old school approach sometimes, but but sometimes people just are so loyal to their players. They can't help but to oversell them. And For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on that, how, how does somebody find an advocate though? And if somebody wanted you to be an advocate, how, how would that even work? I mean, you can't be an advocate for everybody, but how, how, how could you be an advocate for somebody? Obviously playing for my club team, I'm going to advocate for all of my girls. Um, so that's one of my jobs is to help them get them exposed and get them on a platform to be seen and, I will easily call, email, you know, everyone as much as possible to help them through the process. There are a lot of girls that haven't played for me that, you know, can just have asked for personal lessons, trainings, come to my camps. Hey, I'm going to come to your, your camp this week. Can you watch me? Can you let me know if you have any schools in mind? So I'm, I'm pretty friendly and personal human being. So I think too, you know, sometimes too much, but yeah. people will reach out and I'll help, try and help as many people as possible if it's the right fit. So those that aren't playing for my club, it's a little bit harder, but I try and make relationships and we'll train people as much as possible. And if it works out where we get that training down enough where I can be like, all right, I know this kid and I watched a few games, I can definitely help be an advocate. Uh, if not, you need to find that high school coach or that, that someone in your area. You, you need to, you know, there's somebody there that knows equally as many people or played at a high level that can help, but you have to try and find that person that you can trust, even just to listen. I think half the time I just listen to parents or listen to kids and yeah. I might not even given them like the home run answer or gave them an, you know, a resolution to their problem, but I'm here as a platform to listen and just either calm them down or help them understand and trust the process that they're just fine and they need to just keep working hard and, you know, stay in their own lane and on their path. Right. Um, switching gears, I want to talk about, you know, you, you can't control 
if you're tall or short, you, you can't control, you know, you can, you can get faster, but some kids are just really, really fast and other kids are like strong and some people are lefties and there's things there, there are all different shapes and sizes um, yep. that make up a division one roster at every single school. And I think one of the things that people should really focus on is how can you be great at being you yeah. as opposed to trying to get great at the things maybe you're not as good at i know i think that's your x factor i always ask my my girls like what is your x factor like what makes you be able to be recruited like what what are you doing better than every single person that also wants to get a spot at that school so finding your x factor and selling that x factor like that's what separates you don't try and be a tall attacker when you're a short fast scrappy attacker like you know you know know your role and do what you can control. And I think, yes, yeah, celebrate your X factor. If you don't have one yet, you need to figure out what it is because if you're just an average player, you're not separating yourself in one part of the game more than someone else. Um, so yeah, I think that's huge. And don't speculate. Like, I think sometimes I had people come in and be like, well, UVA only takes like really tall girls. I'm like, that's not true. <laughs> but like, yeah, they might have a lot of tall girls. They might, that's just the way it happened. You know what I mean? So just don't, don't sell, like, take anything off your list. Don't try and make things up or don't try and listen to any of the outside noise. Just know your role, do it well. And what with, like, a positive attitude, I think is really huge. And that said, there, there are pos positions within positions. You know, you're not just an attacker. Yeah. You, they, everybody, need, they need a lefty. They need an, a, a, an X player who yep. really feed and dodge from behind the net. They need a two-handed player. They need a wing player. They need a finisher and a shooter. Yeah. They need, like, there might be someone on tack that's like, oh, that person's just the best rider. Like, we want them out there because they always get the ball back for us. There's so many things that you could be great at. So don't try and, you know, think you need to be a scorer and a sister, an X player, a top player. You just find your role and make that, make that, make that your specialty. Like, because there's the team's made up of 30 people that are specifically good at one or two things. Right. And, and knowing your strengths. Yeah. I see this all the time out of lefties. Um, not so much out of the lefty attackers, but out of lefty middies. And, and, and they do the same thing the righties kind of do, which is they just run to their strong hand down the wrong side of the field. Yeah. And I always say to the lefties, do you realize that you're a lefty and you should be over looking at the net on the right? Yeah. And, and um, stay I think over that there. Goes back to the good lacrosse coaching, though. It happened the other day with one of my newer players that has only been playing club for a year she's new to my team and we cleared through for the right side for her to take a righty dodge but she dodged right down to the left side into the traffic i'm like hey just take a second and look like we cleared for you for a reason but you just get so excited to go 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 you know what i mean and making sure that yeah they know how to do it correctly and help them do what they're really good at well yeah i mean and, and like everybody is better on their natural side and yeah. if you're a lefty, go to the right side, hang out by that elbow, and spend the rest of your life there. And it'll be <laughs> a really good move. Yeah, if you well, watch my team, you know that we have our one lefty that's on the wing that's going to score a couple of wing, <laughs> wing lefty goals every game. And she's good at it. For sure. So if you're thinking about positions within positions like we did on attack, how would you characterize the positions within midfield? Uh, that's tough. I mean, obviously, obvious, like that draw. Like if you're yeah. – one, well, you could be an attacker taking the draw too, but the midi, the draw is huge. You can win the draw. We used to say at Northwestern, you rule the world. It becomes make it, take it. So the draw is everything, whether you're on the circle, 
you know, you're taking the draw, that could be your number one thing. Like that person gets every single draw control. I just had one scrappy midi on my 2020 team that was so unassuming. She was so small, but she was everywhere on the draw. Not going to score a million goals. And it wasn't doing amazing things on defense, but she just found a way to have, she was around every 50-50 ball. So like that's one, you could be the scrappiest, like you're on every 50-50 ball. You can be amazing in transition. That midi person that is always, you know, has long strides, shows her speed right after the defense, pushes that ball so well, looks to get it upfield and can also get it right back and finish. Um, you can have that really defensive mind in me. You know what I mean? That one that's like not really going to get a lot of touches on attack, but comes with a million interceptions, is super athletic to pressure out, get a lot of calls to overs, comes up with the ground ball. Just so many different middies and you can have the complete package of like the draw person, awesome top dodger and great defender. Yeah. So many different part. ways, but I think middies, especially you just need to throw your athleticism and just your speed as well. No doubt. And more and more, more and more schools are playing more and more players and, 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 and it's probably going to uh, an O midi D midi yep. uh, model. True. For 100%. We did a lot of that at Colorado. Did a lot of that in Northwestern. Very, I think there was usually, there was usually one or two, two-way middies and then the rest were a midi d midi you know and figuring that out but um so there's room for more middies on those college teams with if you go to two people equal one person basically in men's lacrosse on defense you've got you've got a lot of different positions within positions there too such as you know the off-ball defender who doesn't play doesn't mark up on the on the top dodger um mm -hmm. of, the, of the opponent but will be an amazing communicator and then you've got yep. your cover players that can just run with anybody and and kind of your transitional you know um players that are just have great speed is that is that similar in women's lacrosse 100 percent. you always have that like oh i can't take that person off the field because she's such a good communicator but maybe she's not the best one-on-one -on -one defender but like her role is so important though that she communicates you also have the person that always gets the back check somehow but is always beat you know what i mean but they're somehow getting a cause cause turnover every single time so there's definitely you know different types of defenders some are really good one-on-one -on -one. some are great in a zone you know what i mean some people can only play the zone and not man-to-man -man pressure so it's just figuring out what type of defender you are are you really good at seeing the ball on your girl or are you just better at like really one-on-one -on -one defensive pressure um and as it gets faster and faster all those things matter in the shot clock as well now let's talk a little bit about goalies what are coaches looking for in goalies a lot of things i think you need to be a big communicator in cage because like we said and we talked about um the lack of actual time you get and shots and exposure at these tournaments when you break it down especially if a goalie is only playing one half what if you win the draw half that time? Now you're actually only being seen for eight minutes. So you can control a lot by how you're communicating um, and your clears. Like if you can have a great clear to push that fast break and then just being versatile, obviously it's pretty simple. You have to save some shots. So, but I think you can control communicating 100%. How about the ability to uh, make an impact out of the goal as far as picking off passes, getting ground balls? I think that definitely gets you a look. It'll turn some heads a little bit quicker. Um, cause not a, as many goalies, I think are confident enough to do that. Um, I had my 2019s, I had very active goalies. Um, so they're always coming out of the net and picking off cages. Actually, some of them would like play one-on-one -on -one defense on goal line extended. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, I think that turns some heads. It separates you from just the standard, like, I'm just going to stand here and save shots. So like we said, what's your X factor? Like that might've been some of their X factors, like they're super active outside of the net and that's what they become known for. Um, okay. Yeah. It's huge. I, I, you see, you know, when you see a goalie like come out and pick off a pass that would have been a goal, it's a, it's a big play. Huge, yeah. The Philocrosophy podcast is made possible in part by the JM3 video assessment tool. There's no question that video is critical to player development. One way or another, your son or daughter must utilize video to learn their game and the game. To learn more, see video testimonials, or register, go to www.jm3sports.com forward slash video right now. All right, switching gears again. I want to talk a little bit about highlight videos. Highlight videos are really important. Um, you've, you've coached college across, you know, they come across your email constantly. What are you looking for in a highlight video? And what do you recommend everybody to think about with their highlight video? Highlight videos, are, yeah, they're getting more and more important as the sport is growing. And like we just said, how are you gonna see everybody with the better teams, the better players? Um, you need that person, then no one's gonna really make a decision on a highlight video, but you then to be like, I like what I see, I'm gonna make an effort to go watch this kid, or I want this kid to come to my camp. So it doesn't need to be 10 minutes long. It also can't be a minute long. You need to have a little bit of everything. You can't have the exact same play over and over again. Like, oh, that person just dodged righty. I mean, it depends on the position though, too. Mm -hmm. um, just making it a little versatile, especially for a midi. Get some defensive clips, get some draw clips, get some offensive clips, get some you know, redefending, get some hustling back to get a back check showing your speed um, on attack. I think you need to show that you're good with, you know, good at cradling, good at feeding, good at dodging, um, whatever your X factor is, show a little bit more of that with a little couple other things in there. So if you're an amazing lefty wing dodger, yeah, throw a five or six clips of you scoring great goals, but then you have to show a couple other things. What are you doing off ball? How did you do on the ride? So a lot of times people just do it when they have the ball, show some things of what you're doing as well off ball yeah and I, I i totally agree and i think you also have to build in the concept of you got to make sure that it's that it's that it's actually highlights you know uh, and like, also good quality film so like sometimes yeah. like yeah you know you made a great play but sometimes like i can't even see they look like ants out there like it's good but like you need to have good film um and do a good job of you know making sure that yes it's a highlight but don't be afraid to show a longer set as well like what led up to that highlight too a lot of times people put highlights in and it's like well that's a great goal that's a great play but the competition was yeah. so bad and right. it's really really hard a, a, a coach can tell pretty quickly if the competition is terrible for sure i mean it happens a lot i think when especially when i was coaching in colorado you're like oh of course scoring a ton of goals and then we like we watched and i'm like wait this team is terrible they're playing against so it might still get you seen and be like, all right, I need to see this kid play at camp. And, you know, then you're going to be up against good competition. So you just need to be prepared to always, you can perform at any level. You know what I mean? Like, so you're not just thrown off guard, like you're good, but that becomes up to the advocate that's advocating for you. Like you shouldn't be sending that person to Maryland if they maybe are like a lower D1 player. Right. right. And, you know, I think it's so important also to, 
you, you really got to lead with your best stuff. I mean, if you, you, you're not going to, if you have like a really long intro where it's just like credits of all the, you know, quotes. And credits are so overrated. situational too. Like we go over this all the time. It's like growing sports. So you might have 8,000 goals in Kansas and have 10 goals in Philadelphia, but that 10 goal player is way better just because of the way it's developed. So like stats are great, but it's so, I, it doesn't really mean anything because it's so hard to gauge. And not to mention the fact that you, you, you don't have a lot of time to retain the attention span of a coach because they could be watching your teeing up your video. And then all of a sudden you've got all the lists of people and quotes and stats and all this, and all of a sudden mm -hmm. the phone rings and it's like, that was your chance. But if you actually, kick it off pretty quickly with some awesome highlights you're yeah. gonna you're gonna they might only watch a minute too like i said the highlight video just needs to get you to a where they're going to make an effort to see you or they might reach out and get you to camp so it's not going to be the decision making but you need to show your highlights show them quick you know what i mean show that you have the talent and then now you got their attention <laughs> i had when i was coaching i had um this kid sent me a highlight video and i was like man that kid is so fast i can't even get over it. i was like actually everybody is fast. Like what, what league is this? This is like unbelievable. And then I saw the official and his hand was going so fast with his count that yeah. I knew that actually they had just sped the whole thing up. So, Wait, that's hilarious. Isn't that, isn't that so funny? I actually saw someone staged a hit. Wait, that's like, really funny. Yeah. So don't do those things. Um, right. but definitely <laughs> keep it. I would say, keep your highlight video to around three and a half or four minutes. Yeah. I'd say that's a good number. Yeah. Past that, they're probably not going to watch anymore anyway. So don't waste the time making like a million highlights, but. Although I don't think it's bad to have a longer version if you want, if people want to see more. And For so sure. I, they just might not watch it. Like, but like they're probably going to, I'd say the attention span is around three and a half, four minutes, but you can have a longer one. It's not yeah. going to hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you just kept adding on, like you started out doing it with your freshman year, do you know what I mean? You could either do a really long one and goes into it or do a couple of short ones, freshman year, sophomore, you know, summer going to sophomore year, yeah. keep adding on. I also think it's pretty awesome if you're a multi-sport athlete and you have some legit other sport clips. I if agree. you throw in something Nothing like that. Nothing better than getting some good basketball highlights. I would always be like, this girl's top of my list. She's a good point guard. I want her. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, let's talk a little bit about emailing coaches. Um, mm -hmm. You know, everybody talks about email, email, email the coaches that you are going to be there of the schools that you're interested in. And I don't disagree with this. Although my question is when do you actually start doing that, because I kind of feel like it's a, it's a huge time suck for the athlete. And sometimes I feel like it's premature and you should worry about spending your time, you know, in your, in your classwork at getting better at your strength yeah. and conditioning and, and figure out when to actually put the time in to send those emails out to 60 coaches. So I told my 22s, so that's my sophomores, they should start to email, but it's also not the end of the world if they forgot, you know, like it just helps them be like, oh, like Colleen McGarity, Colleen McGarity, that name rings a bell. Oh, she emailed us. You know what I mean? So it helps, but it's not end all be all. They're still going to write books regardless. They can't even talk to you yet via email. Right. So it helps, but it's not, don't go crazy. Yeah. The 21s should definitely be telling them, like, you know what I mean? Hey, I'm super interested. Where are you at in the process? You can ask right. honest feedback. Don't keep emailing someone if you haven't heard from them. You know what I mean? Now when they can talk to you, you should probably move on, you know, and I can help with that process as well to help with that. But yeah, I do, it's not the end all be all. It kind of just helps them get a name, 
can look it up like, oh, this kid actually, their GPA is really smart. Perfect. We're in Ivy League school. You can kind of get a quick little info snapshot of who that kid is. If they did like you, it helps. So a lot of times, like, they'll be like on the sideline. A lot of coaches were at my 22 games this week. They'll be like, oh, I liked this kid. You know, let me just see if she emailed us. They can see, oh, cool. She plays field hockey and she runs winter track and she's a 4-0. I'm going to keep my eye on her. If you don't have a great highlight video, I wouldn't bother emailing, though. Uh, it does help, though. I will say you can do a no highlight. Do you know what I mean? Just so they have, they know that you're interested in them. Yeah. So I'd say you don't have to write this novel. You yeah. can just say, hey, I'm playing here. This I'm very interested in, in your school. Just helps kind of get that name uh, recognition. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, All right, oh, I saw this kid. I've seen her email. I know that she likes us. So that's a good start. But like I said, it's not going to get you an offer you know what i mean it's yeah it's it, and, it helps and like uh you don't have to like write you know like you said a novel you don't have to write something that like is just some gripping read honestly coaches don't even read the whole thing they're scanning nope. for things like 511 or free yep. sport athlete or oh, american or whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah no definitely some little highlight if you had it if you don't it doesn't matter i say i really try and tell them if like we added a girl this weekend. You need to email them to make sure they know your number because it's mm -hmm. been too late to add into the program book. So that's where it comes kind of important too. Yeah. Um, so just sure. if there's a change, Hey, our game time got changed. I'm not sure they should know it already, but like it also is important to email if you're a goalie, like you can ask your coach, am I playing the first half or the second half? I just wanted to let my coaches know that I'm playing at this game, but in the second half. Yeah, that's a great call. And my point on don't email if you don't have a video is it really has to do with the fact that if, if you're not, if you don't have a great highlight video, then you probably aren't ready anyways. And, and my point, generally speaking, is mm -hmm. if you're not really ready to be recruited based on how old you are or whatever, like you said, it's not going to kill you. No. At the yeah. end of the day, they're going to watch you play and make a decision. What helps is like we belong to Connect Lax with my club. So like you should be able to get right to your video your whole entire profile so everything's in there as well so like your highlight video should be up to date so that way they click they want to see more everything's there you know that email could be simple as like here's my highlight video here's where i'm playing i'm very interested in your school yeah um i'd say the email is actually more important before you go to a camp hey i'm very excited to be at your camp this weekend to work with you this is my rundown that now this coach is going to be able to work with you for two for sure. or three days um it's so important to have somebody like you mm. shoot a text hey don't forget right. to take a look you know at exactly. emily at this and camp. you can get camp feedback which is nice so those 22s like you can get some pretty honest feedback um that's all they can do right now if you're a that 23 helps. would you be sending no i tell them work on just getting better just yeah. get better get on the wall run be athletic <laughs> enjoy life too a little bit yeah right enjoy your high school exactly Let's talk a little bit about um, campus visits. You know, if you, if you, first of all, do you believe in like going out and visiting a lot of campuses before anyone's actually recruiting you? Or do you believe? You know, uh, if your family's doing that because like one of your siblings are looking and it just works out to go see, it doesn't hurt. But you also don't think that you need to get everywhere because you're just gonna have to go again anyways, yeah. especially if you're a high level lacrosse player. But like, I will say it does help to get a gauge of like, or just know that it's like, oh, I did not like the big school feel, or I did not like the, mm -hmm. 
you know, city feel it, that can help with the little things and help narrow your process down. But you don't have to be running around seeing a million campuses before the process because you're about to do that in the fall anyways. Exactly. And, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, at some point, you're going to have to visit campuses, whether yes. it's because you're being recruited or because you're just going to college or whatever. Yeah. But I, I think a lot of people for early, especially your mindset might change. Like, I don't right. know, as a freshman, I used to think, probably never in a million years will I go to Chicago. I want to stay closer to home. And then by sophomore year, I was like, oh, I want to go farther from home. And by junior year, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going farther from home. So I'm like, it changes the more you mature as well. Yeah, it does. And I also think it's just, but again, it, it, it kind of puts the cart before the horse when everyone's like making all their wish lists and here's my top 10 and here's my, you know, I'm going to go visit all these schools. I mean, the, the time will come. It's crazy because a lot of times you end up liking who, who likes you too. Like I would say that like, right. appreciate the school that likes you. It's nice to be wanted. So that school might not have been on your top 10, but that school wants you. So now you're, you visited the top 10 on your list, but five of that want you now might be your top five. But let's talk about when you do get invited on a campus visit, what are some of the do's and don'ts? Like, you know, how do you dress? What should you wear? What, what should your parents like avoid or make sure that they do or not? You don't need to be super fancy. I get that question a lot, but like, you don't want to look like a slob, like, but you're also an athlete. So I think you can wear, most of these girls are like wearing their black Lululemon leggings, or I'd have to give a little shout out to my friend that started Addison Bay. You can buy some leggings from her from her company, but you can wear that with a sweatshirt. That's been like the normal go-to attire or jeans and a sweater or jeans. Don't wear anything like a skinny little tank top or anything like that, or, you know, be presentable. Um, this is also a business meeting for you per se, you know, like it's a work trip. You're going to figure out your career. Um, also let the kid kind of take the lead. Um, parents, I think you need to be involved and, and be there to help guide. And then you step in when it becomes more of like a, if you have questions yourself academically, the kid didn't ask the question that you are interested in, that's totally fine. You don't have to be completely silent. And then when finances get into the, the talk, the parent can take the lead then. They, no coach is expecting a kid to understand financial aid or a scholarship and all that stuff. It's pretty interesting to see that the way different coaches approach it. Some, some coaches, are like, you know, you press a button and they just go on for an hour on their spiel. Other coaches are asking questions. One of the things that I noticed having gone through this process is that some coaches will ask you to tell a little bit about yourself. And it's, yep. it's, it's important. It's a great experience, but it's not a bad idea to be able to speak about yourself, about your family, your siblings, you know, what you do, what you're interested in outside of lacrosse. Yeah, that, I mean, you're kind of, you're in an interview, so, like, you need to be prepared the same way, Yeah. honestly, your first big interview, um, and there, a lot of that fit for that school is being processed in that head coach's conversation with you right there. Are, do they believe you're a good kid? Do they, you know, have a great feeling about this relationship that's going to now be for the next six years, um, because you commit when you're a junior, you know, so, like, I, you need to be prepared to talk about yourself, what your X factor is. I know for like, I've gotten this X factor thing from my coach, Kelly Amonti. Like you always had to have your X factor. What separates you have an answer. Don't say like, Oh, I don't know. Like have something like, you know, be confident in yourself and it's okay to speak about yourself and show that you're confident in yourself, your work ethic and your talent as a lacrosse player to make an impact. For sure. Don't and ask about playing time. 
What, yeah, don't talk about playing time. What are some of the things that, you know, are like the, the total no-nos uh, for, for kids or parents? Playing time, I think it's huge. Like, what can I do to play on this team? You never know what's going to happen. It's a clean slate thing. You step on campus your freshman year and you're fighting to get playing time. Like Every day. Every day. And it changes every day. So um, that's a big no. Just like you need to have that team first mentality and show your work ethic and show your confidence really that should be your main priority and then also I wouldn't hop right into oh uh, what kind of scholarship can you offer they might not even be ready to offer you yet so don't start diving into scholarships until it's brought up by them yeah and then you can kind of have that negotiation or that conversation maybe there is no negotiation like you know I mean there's time and place when you can ask for more or not. It kind of depends where you're at in that process with that class. Um, but yeah, I would say don't jump into like, what can you give me? Be respectful. And then it kind of becomes that conversation. Right. And uh, don't, if you're a kid, don't roll your, your eyes when you're. Don't be rude to your parents either. I had one kid, I remember like, she like was like, stop mom. Like, or like told her mom to like, shut up. And I was like, who is this kid? Like, come on, be respectful of your parents. They're here for you. And just be, you know, a good, respectful, respectful kid and parent as well. Yeah. Yeah. I remember having this kid in my office one time and he was just, him and his dad were just throwing their high school coach under the bus so bad. And you just know <laughs> you're next. Right. Yeah. You're like, cool. You should have been like, that's actually my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk a little bit about NCA rules. So there's so many times I get people, you know, um, well, you know, what are the NCA rules? And what, what I want to sort of share with everybody is there's, there's rules that would be good for you to understand, like the recruiting calendar and the difference between an unofficial visit and an and official visit. But, but really the onus is on the college coach to yeah. know and execute the rules. It's not really on the athlete or the parent. Right, right, for sure. Um, obviously September 1st was when that big date where everyone can start talking at your junior year. Um, up until then, like the 22s I keep talking about right now, they can only be told that they, uh, you get, you can get camp information and you can say, I have general interest in this kid, that general interest. You don't know how high you are on the list, how low you are, where you're at. Are you one of 200? Are you one of 10? And that you will not know until September 1st. Um, September 1st comes around, everyone's going to kind of do their process differently. So some schools might be doing a bunch of official visits. I'd say that's more dependent on the program and the kind of um, uh, money they have in their program because it, it all takes out of the lacrosse program fund. So some schools might be like, ah, I'm not going to go crazy with official visits. I'm going to save that money for my program. Um, so it's all, and that, so that you can't also start comparing like, oh, that person got an official visit there and I got an unofficial. It's really all situational. So, right. situational. Just so everybody knows, official and official visit is a paid visit by the institution. They're allowed to pay for your flight, for your hotel room before you get there or uh, pay for your meals. It's a 48 hour visit. Um, you're allowed five of them over yep. the course of two years. Um, unofficial is when it's on your dime and you can come and you can take as many unofficials as you want beginning September 1 junior year um, just so people kind of understand 
And you might still get the exact same thing out of the unofficial visit. It's just the difference is the money. So like you can still go to a game. You can still, you know what I mean? Like there's little things that they think they're not going to get, but you're going to get. You just go to lunch and you have to pay for your own lunch and the coach pays for her lunch, you know? So it's, you still get the same quality conversations and, you know, people can commit on an unofficial visit. It's not like you can't commit on an unofficial visit. So. And it just means that you can take your official visit after you commit. Exactly. Because you're only allowed to take one official visit per yes. institution. Exactly. You know, uh, interesting. I had one coach tell us that they gauged the interest of the athlete based on, do you want this to be official or unofficial? I could see that. Cause you can only take five. It's like, right. ah, yeah, no, I'm going to hold out on that. All of it. And then it's like, they kind of know that you're not really in their time. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I I've always, I kind of guided my 21s. Like if you need to use an official visit, if you're looking at Stanford, that might be the one to take your official visit to where if you're yeah. also looking at Princeton, maybe just drive there. You know what I mean? So like, and, and not, and not use your official visit. So a lot of it kind of, I think is a family decision as well. If you're that top athlete that's getting 10,000 official visit offers, which is rare. <laughs> um Back to the recruiting calendar. You mentioned the important date of September 1st, which everybody kind of knows. Um, but uh, let's talk about um, the, the actual um, evaluation periods, the dead periods, the quiet periods. What, what does that stuff mean? And what is that, how does it, how does it um, work out for the athletes? Right. So it's kind of nice that like we're about to finish the evaluation period right now with the, um, the athletes, which means that like there's no more tournaments, which if you didn't have that, we'd have 8,000 tournaments all the time. So it kind of creates that balance with the, for the coaches and for the athletes. So um, right after this next upcoming weekend, which is the last big tournament, um, you have, you can still go on visits, but you're no longer being evaluated. So you don't have that tournament process. Um, and I, I forget the exact date where it is up in January, but, um, do you have the calendar in front of you or no? Yeah. Well, generally in November, um, yeah. you're allowed, uh, there's three, there are three weekends. Um, That's why that first weekend in November, there was no tournament because there's only three available we hosted a big camp here yeah. for Triple H and we had 10 college coaches come in. So that is not an evaluation. That's a camp. Right. And then, yeah. and then I believe that they can start watching again in March, but of course, none of the club stuff really gets going until the right. end of May. In, in all reality, you've got June, July and three weekends of November mm-hmm. to be able and the to rest are camps, which camps are huge. I think, and, you know, and making sure you're going to the right camp. And like I said, and having an advocate for you before you go to the camp. Right. So the camps can occur other than in dead periods. I was going to say they can occur in December. And then there's a dead period over 4th of July this year or like around that. Um, yeah, the dead period means camp. that coaches are not allowed to have in, in-person uh, contact on or off campus. And they're usually around signing periods, around holidays. Yep. Um, so around Christmas, um, you can't, you can't, they won't have a camp. And again, you don't really need to know about all that, but that's kind of why there aren't tournaments that are attended um, all, all year long was just to try to for sure and I mean I, that says for playing for the right club I remember one club that was I took my 24s and 23s to a tournament in October and there was a high school team at that tournament 2020s and 21s and I was like why are you, are you guys here and they're like well I there I was like you should be at the ones in November yeah and I was like, we have a lot of good kids on this team so it was just interesting to 
see that and to make sure that they know they needed to try and maybe get to one of the bigger tournaments if they wanted to get their kids that are better seen. Totally. The last uh, topic on um, NCAA rules, unless you can think of something else before we move on, is, is just um, talking to coaches. Um, you know, they're not allowed to talk to you, uh, but you don't have to worry about it. It's, the onus, again, is on them to sort of say, hey, Colleen, sorry, I'm really not allowed to talk to you here, but really look forward to, you know, catching up some other time. Don't be turned off when all of a sudden they kind of don't talk to you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's hard. Like they just can, like some people will break the rules, not break the rules, wave or smile or okay. bend the rules. So it's hard, but like, don't, don't think like it's the end all be all if they don't say anything to you. And a lot of times people don't know. Parents will be like, Oh, I ran up to her coach and they didn't even say hi. I'm like, no, no, that doesn't mean you're like decommitted now. They're not allowed to talk to you until the end of the tournament. So at the end of the last game for the 21s, you can technically have that in-person hello and hi, how are you? but mm -hmm. not during the, yeah. the tournament. And by the way, what that means, it doesn't mean that they have to ignore you. It just means that they'll be cordial and, mm -hmm. you know, hey, nice to see you. Great. Good job. We'll talk later. And it's kind of like, you know, it's polite. Yeah. Exactly. Um, all right. Let's talk about scholarship money. Um, I, I think scholarship money is one of the most misunderstood elements of recruiting. And, and first of all, to understand that there are three different kinds of scholarship. There's need-based financial aid which mm -hmm. has to do with you fill out a fafsa it's a it, 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 it'll 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 give you money based on how much money your family needs and yep. stuff like that and then you've got merit aid which has to do with um your academics and not yep. all schools have merit aid which is essentially mm -hmm. academic aid there are certain criteria you must meet in order to get merit aid but you're not getting merit aid at harvard you're not getting merit aid at Northwestern. You're getting right. merit aid at certain schools. And then lastly, there's uh, athletic aid. Um, maybe yep. you can speak a little bit about your experiences with those types of aids and then talk a little bit about how much finance, uh, athletic aid there actually is in women's lacrosse. Right. So I think I have a lot of people get kind of confused. Like one, there are a lot of questions you need to ask. So I think a major question to ask and be prepared to ask at when you go and you get your offer is can you stack financial aid and athletic aid? And majority of the time it's no. I know that I was speaking actually to Kelly that there could be um, something that passes over the next couple of years for private institutions to be able to stack, which will be huge. Um, at Villanova, you can stack your athletic scholarship and your aid. At Michigan, you cannot stack. Um, so there's just different institutions are all different. And by stacking, like you kind of explained, you can get maybe a 30% athletic scholarship and maybe you qualify for another 70% of financial aid. You're basically not paying anything if you could stack. But um, you also cannot take both at the places that cannot stack. So if you qualify for, say, you qualify for 30 grand at a 60 grand institution, and they were thinking about offering you potentially, I would say I go percentage wise, like 15 or 20%, you're, you're going to take the financial aid package because it's higher than the athletic scholarship that you were going to get offered. Yeah. Um, so just, you really need to make a family decision. And a lot of the times, uh, sometimes you will qualify for more aid than you would get athletic scholarship. Um, so that's, I say always that's where the parents should get involved in figuring out what is best. And those coaches, most coaches are really good at helping explain it and figuring out the best possible package for you. Um, and don't take it 
as a fence if you're like taking aid over a scholarship. It just they only have twelve point two full scholarships to divide amongst an average of what thirty to thirty five girls on a team. So right. if you think about that, like there's rare to get a full ride, which sometimes people always say that's very rare. Yeah. Um, so just figuring out that and the coach will help explain it to you. But uh, it's really important to, you know, figure out if you can get merit stacked with other ones. It's, it, it'll make a huge difference in your decision. The stacking of athletic aid and need-based financial aid at inst- certain institutions usually happens because they're not fully funded. Because exactly. it's, Villanova, I believe, still- might be like one less or I don't even know. Like there's some schools that like are not quite fully funded, which means they don't have the 12.2. So then they allow them to stack. Basically, like, it becomes countable aid if you stack need, uh, financial aid, need-based with athletic aid. But if you're not at your salary cap maximum, then you can just use that aid to help get an athlete. Exactly. The merit yeah. aid, athletic aid stack, as long as you meet the criteria of like, I think it's like 1200 on your SAT, uh, yep. 3.5 GPA. Well, it's different everywhere because I know that some even have lower GPA expectations or you get more money. Well, so. there are NCA criteria that yeah. are the same for everyone. And then each institution has different levels. Mm-hmm. Like at the University of Denver, you know, they'll be able to have something different than at Hofstra or whatever. And you got to maintain certain GPA by NCA rules in order to maintain that aid. But that's pretty awesome if you can stack the academic aid and your athletic aid. Yep. Because it really allows coaches to make it go. And then it also puts something on the line for the athlete, you know, all right, you got to get your grades up in school. Like you're in kind of control of gaining more money academically. So there are 12.0 scholarships in division one women's lacrosse, but um, how many division one schools are there now? I believe there are 100, and I just looked this up the other day. Do you know this? So when you kind of look at it, you say, there's about 100, 110 Division I women's lacrosse programs with about 12 scholarships, you know, and then then let's just average it out to three a year. So you've got three times 100, 110. There's about 330, 300 to 350 scholarships available per year. Yeah. Or a, a given recruiting class. So there's not that much money. Everybody's getting partials. Um, yeah. how, imp- how important is it just to get anything? So important. I mean, that's why I'm like, just be thankful that you got something. You know what I mean? There's a lot. When we did that math, like there's 30 plus people on a team. There's a lot of people that are preferred walk-ons or on nothing. Um, so I think that's more common than people think is that you're just get, getting a spot. I think it should be your goal. And then if you're offered something, that's an amazing perk. Right. And there are a lot of schools that do not have any scholarships, such as the Ivy League. There's eight. Yep. Patriot League does not have very much. That's about 10, you know, it's called seven. Mm-hmm. And then there are schools that are Division One schools that are not fully funded. And so, you know, honestly, that number is probably less than what we estimated. For sure. Um, how do you talk money with a coach? You sort of referenced this slightly before, but a lot of yeah. people get really, um, you know, nervous about it. Or, or sometimes, you know, I've seen dads, you know, they must be deal guys, but then they're, they're in there trying to negotiate and it's right. playing hardball with you. Um, what's your take on that? It's so situational again, but when it comes down maybe between like two schools and you're getting a similar offer, I think it's totally fine to be like, hey, I'm getting offered this at the other school, you know, just want to see, is there any room for it to, to go up or to be matched? 
Um, so just kind of, that's a totally fine answer and just be okay with that. You know, them to say, no, like we have nothing. This is the best we can do, but we still really, really want you like, you know what I mean? So just, it's totally fine to ask that question. Um, and then it also is different per family as well. So like money might be such a bigger impact on someone's decision from one kid compared to the next. Um, so just being like, Hey, we're trying to make this work for our daughter. She really wants to come here. You know, is there any other offer or any other merit that can be offered? Just having that honest conversation yeah. is not going to hurt you. You know what I mean? Just do it in a way that you're explaining that like you just want to make the right decision for your family. Yeah. Um, and so I, and the ability to earn more later. Um, yeah. It's not I, a matter of like how many goals you score, right? It has to be other factors. Yep. Be like, is this set for four years? Is it room to grow up? Ask that 100% happens all the time and if you know they could say yep but it's up to your daughter do you know what I mean so it's that's not guaranteed but just having that yeah you know sense that all right if I do work my butt off and I work hard and I'm working hard in school I could get more money for my family right um and it's really important to know that it's it, again it's not about they can't promise you they can they can they can say we'll, we'll we'll give you more money based on you know being a great citizen being a great student being a great teammate it can't just be based on your athletic merits for sure yeah um i also think just knowing the time and place to ask for that so you might have been like the last spot on like a top 10 program might not be the school that you're going to be like i want more money like you should just be thankful that you got 10 percent or 15 percent. you know so just knowing like if you're comparing between you know virginia and I'm trying to think of another smaller, like a school, you know what I mean? That's not comparable to Virginia. Mm -hmm. You're not going to go negotiate against them, you right. know, but you could maybe ask for more to the smaller school. For sure. Yeah. And coaches, I mean, you know, I know, I know that when, when I was recruiting, my assistant would always like look at home values to sort of see how, how much money somebody mm -hmm. might have. Yeah. Um, They'll ask me and, I, and like, I'll be like, Hey, money matters to this family. So as yeah. much as you can help them, that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, money might not be the deciding factor for this family, you know? So I'll give kind of an, honest answer and most parents will tell me like just so you know like money is not a huge deal or i mean it, it always matters but like yeah. it's not going to affect our daughter's decision well so that's so important that you mentioned that because that's an advantage of having a great advocate and someone that has connections is that they can have these conversations for you and just say right. hey, this family really money's going to be a big factor in the decision in the other hand, it's a huge benefit if money is no issue and, and a coach knows Hey, this kid does not need any money and you don't, you, they're happy with that. It'll, it'll actually raise your stock. Yep. If they know they don't have to spend any money. It's like getting, um, it's like getting Tom Brady in the sixth round. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, it definitely does give you more opportunities. Um, and just because it's not a giant money making sport, women's across, you know what yeah. I mean? So it, that weighs into a lot of the coaches decisions for sure well the quality of your recruiting class in many ways is how good are your low money players and yep. so if you can get a great player that doesn't need money it's huge um mm -hmm. it's, it's it's really important um and then eventually you actually um sign an nli a lot of people you know get confused with the committing you know they sign with so-and-so it's like wait a minute they're only juniors they didn't sign with anybody right the nli yeah. in november is when you actually sign the contract correct Yep, 100%. And, um, or a likely letter. If you're going to an Ivy League school, it's not an NLI. It's a likely letter. Right. Okay. 
Um, let's talk a little bit about timelines. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about the NCAA, NCAA timelines, but um, let's talk about uh, the state of juniors in high school right now, the 2021s. Um, where are they at, generally speaking, and what can they expect with divisions one, two, and three? I think they're still in the thick of it all. Um, a lot of, there was a lot of 2021, I mean, coaches at the 2021 games this past weekend. Uh, I'd say that you know, people's top quarter have all kind of gone and then the next middle ground is in the process of going. And most people that are waiting right now are waiting till after this next weekend. If you've gone this far, why not just wait for one more weekend to get a couple more looks or to see, or same thing with the coaches. They're trying to hold them off for one more weekend. That means that they're comparing between a group of, you know, three or four or two to three, you know, so they're just evaluating their next spot. Um, I think most schools are never, ever done. You know, you're, you're, if you see this amazing athlete that's going to peak by senior year, they'll, they'll find a way to get that kid in school. You know, might not have much money left, as we just talked about, so it would help if you didn't need any money. But, um, you know, there's never, you know, they're never closed. So I'd say the 2021s are in their, you know, prime time of the recruiting process. A lot are get committing these over these next couple weeks. And, a lot will be told over the institution's winter camp coming up in December and January if they have been narrowed down, if they're like the top three left for the one or two spots left. That's for the bigger D1. And then you still have the D2 and D3 really starting to evaluate and start their process because they can't really move as forward as quickly until people yeah. are, all start deciding. It's a trickle effect. So. Unless they just want their heart broken, or exactly. if they, or, or if they can, just, if they hope that the athlete that they love, you know, gets mono or breaks a collarbone. And <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, do you see 2021s continuing to be recruited into the summer? Uh, very, not by many D1 schools. You think they'll all be done between between now? I think for my situation, my 21s will all be done by then. Mm -hmm maybe one or two left that might have their eyes on a division two school or, you know, a NESCAC school. They're super academic, not at the top level to play Ivy league, but you know, want to go that route. Um, so the NESCAC schools, they, they literally came and take a verbal offer, I believe until July one when it's their reading right. day. Yeah. So they're on a completely different process. So I think June, that June first big tournament in June might be still some schools lingering watching but they'll be really, really watching the 22s this summer. I feel like college coaches were watching 21s a little bit more last fall than they were watching 22s this fall. 100%. But this was also where in like the guinea pig of this whole new September 1st. Right. So just like, I think because the 2020s were kind of done so fast that they weren't really at President's Cup as many 2020 teams, you mm -hmm. know, and the 2021s were still a big. Yeah. I feel like the 2021s had a long stint of being watched because of the rule change where it'll start to kind of shorten a little bit right. as we get into the swing of it being, being used to this date change. I can tell you right now in men's lacrosse, there will definitely be 21s are going to be watched a lot next summer. I mean, certain schools will be done, but a lot of schools are keeping spots. Right. Like um, I said, I don't think anyone's ever done. I just, sometimes I think they're not like actively recruiting. Do you know what I mean? They might go watch a specific kid and go to a game or two, but they're not going to be like only watching 21s. 
And how much do you think there's going to be poaching going on in the, uh, I mean, like what's happening in men's across right now is they, they, a lot of, you know, Virginia's, um, Harvard's of the world that are way off the recruiting food chain at the top of that food chain, they can afford to wait because they can afford to go talk to anybody almost whenever they want. Um, no, I'm interested to see, I don't know. That's where I'm interested to see if that will happen. It started to happen a little bit, the couple kids last year. So we'll see if it continues. Yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't something that happened all the time in men's lacrosse. Um, I know it happens a lot. It's a lot more now. It happens a lot and, now. And it's up to that school to do a great job of continuing to make those kids feel loved. Yeah. You know, like that, I know that when we were at Colorado, the basketball staff would always, like, they'd always be emailing and sending their kids that were already committed a bunch of stuff. They were like, we yeah. have to worry so much about poaching. Yep. You know what I mean? If UConn calls up one of their kids that they, they think is awesome, kids are probably going to go to UConn if they don't do a good job of keeping that relationship going. So if you're a 2021 and all of a sudden January hits and, you know, you just don't have a lot of action, um, you know, and you continue on, on a path of wanting to play college lacrosse, one option is, of course, there's a ton of great Division three schools, some of the best academic institutions yep. in the world. And those, those schools, you should make sure you get a look by those schools between 100%. now and make sure in June you get a look from those schools because they will be making offers. Uh, and I would also not freak out, out because like they're so focused on their college season that like, yeah, it's just a lag time due to their main focus. Like they're, they're going to just make you wait until the summer basically, unless they had some January camp where you played unbelievable where you can get one last look. But if not, you're, you're definitely just going to be waiting until pretty much June. I also think that there's the option of repeating, repeating a grade or reclassing. And you're seeing that, I mean, in men's lacrosse, this has been going on for a long time. It's been going on in women's lacrosse too, but, but I, I, I see this, you know, if you did miss the summer because of an injury or something yep. or like your summer after sophomore year, and you know, you're a great student, or if you're a little bit of a late bloomer, whatever, um, you can repeat a year or you can reclass. The difference yep. being the repeat is, Hey, come to Penn Charter and repeat junior year and play for Colleen. That's right. an option. Um, you can go to a boarding school and do that. You can go to IMG. There's a lot of ways to do that. Mm -hmm. The concept of reclassing, though, is simply to, to just play as a 22, even though you are a 21, with the intention of, hey, if the right school comes around and recruits me, I would take a PG year or a gap year and the nice part about this is that you don't actually have to commit to repeating before you know what, because you're not going to just reclass to go to a school that you could have gotten into anyways. For sure. Yeah. So no, what's your thoughts on that and what's your experience with that? I think it's definitely happening more and more, especially for those kids that like get lost in the shuffle that are super athletic, that you basically have that, you know, conversation with the parents and the coach, like we're going to play down and I had I did it within another 2020 this year right now she just played in some of the 2021 tournaments and I just had to email uh the tournament directors and the other coaches hey I have a 2020 that's looking to take a PG you know or just or repeat her grade and most people are totally fine with it um you just have to make sure you get approved you can't just like you usually can't play down unless it's approved and it doesn't any like and I asked the college coaches last year I'm like if this kid's going to repeat would you rather see them with the class that they're going to be in with when they enter school and they're like oh yeah 100 percent would rather sure. see them compared to the 22s if you're no longer going to be a 21 and there's no way to 
to uh, improve your stock, honestly, than to right. down. I mean, you know, it sounds yeah. obvious and it sounds unfair, um, but um, there are no rules against it. And the fact of the matter is, is that college coaches don't really care. Really what college coaches care about is getting the best possible player they can yep. get related to the class that they're recruiting. Yep. And what's really interesting too, is that there's a lot of players and there's a couple of kids that played for you last year that mm -hmm. were 2020s. They missed the boat because they were from an area of the country that was getting missed. Yep. They were in their last class of early recruiting. Whereas if you didn't get recruited early, you were pretty much shafted mm -hmm. and they reclassed to play as 21s last fall. And sure enough, they both, played great, not surprisingly. Yep. They were already great players, but they were also playing with 21s as 2020s. And then next thing you know, they get offers as 21, as 20s. And they're both going to school as 20s. Right. So they ended up finding that spot, but they probably wouldn't have been. Their, yeah, both their coaches that like them reached out to me and they're, I was like, oh, they're looking to be 21s. And they're like, no, we like them enough right now. Yeah. Like, we want them in our 2020 class. So it wasn't like we cheated the system. It was just like they played so well that yeah. they're like no no we'd rather take them as they're equally comparable in our 2020 class and we have a spot so it worked out awesome for them it did um, in fact is the colleges the college coaches would not have seen them if no. they played for the 2020s last fall they they and which is their biggest tournament was president's cup and honestly there was not many 2020 teams at that event they would not no. have been in the right location to be seen Right. And even if they had been there, the coaches were watching the 21s, which is next summer. They, it's there, be they would have been, the coaches would have had to watch them on film, like and go into the yeah. database because they wouldn't have actually physically got to the game because it was actually at a different site. Right. So they wouldn't have left. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. And so if you're a, if you're a junior in high school right now and you, and you get missed and you got unlucky for whatever reason, um, there are opportunities for you to do that. And, and a lot of people say, well, what do I, you know, what, what do I say? Uh, what what are the, if I, they ask me, just say, well, I was a late bloomer and I got hurt. I got, I missed my summer. Right. Uh, I am young for my class. Um, whatever it is, I want to go to the best possible academic and athletic institution I can. And I'm willing to take a PG. I'm planning on taking a PG year to make it happen. Right. And that's all you have to do. And then they'll be like, wait, is that girl a 21 or a 22? Wait, she's, that girl's really good. She, I thought she was a 21. Well, she is a 21. She's planning on taking a PG year. Right. Maybe we'll take her as a 21. That's what happened with those. Yeah, girls especially for the, you know, schools, like I said, that are, they take their time to fill those last spots or two. And they might not have found that another kid that they thought was better to fill that spot. And they're like, you know what? Actually, yeah, I like this kid the 20, as a 22, but we have a spot in the 21 class. Let's just move forward. And you can basically play three tracks. One track is the grade you're in as a recruited athlete. You, you, you can still go to the division three showcases along the way. You yep. can play the track as the class behind you to give yourself a better chance to get recruited by the school of your dreams. And then yep. you can also play the track of, Hey, well, I was just going to go to college anyways. <laughs> right, yeah. Play them all. all three. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. A couple, couple questions before we wrap it up here. Um, one, how do you know if you're good enough? That's a good question. I mean, I think a lot of it has to be your own honest take on when you're at these camps and clinics and you're playing with the best, are you competing with them? Are you doing well? Are you getting crushed? If you're getting crushed by the top group every single time you go to a camp, probably not good enough to go to those types of schools. So you have to have some self-reflecting and self-evaluating. And then you also have to talk to your coach. Where do they see you? 
I always love to tell my, I'm like, I, everyone should have a goal, goal list. Like you should never shut a kid's dreams down. Yeah. But then did you put in the time and effort to achieve those goal schools? It's like, you know, this is where you need to be. This is what you need to do. And then it's up to you to kind of, I'm going to make the platform for your exposure happen. And then it's up to you to go out and get it. Right. Um, so then if you're constantly just not getting the feedback, then we move down the list. You know what I mean? Hey, you didn't get seen again. So let's just keep, right. keep moving down that list and just have someone kind of help you through that process. But you really need to have some self-evaluating when you're at camps. You're, you're playing with the commits. Typically they're there. Yeah. Most sure. of the time. Um, and, so and having, having somebody that can give you that advice, sometimes it's hard to know who to trust though, because sometimes yeah. they might be just telling you what you want to hear to keep you in the club. Right. Um, you know, definitely there's some of that. So to be able to have a third party, look at your videos, um, do a video assessment, um, yep. you know, have somebody do that, um, is really, really important. Um, here's a really, really interesting one. How do you know if you're being recruited? You know, that's tough because especially after September 1st, a lot of times people were getting a million emails yep. or you get that email from the dream school, but you're not really on the top of their list. So you might get some general interest from a lot of schools because they want to keep everyone at bay. They don't know if their top kids are going to commit or where they're going to be. They could be going for seven other kids and all of them say yes. Now they're done. Now you got that general interest. You were kind of on their list, but they filled it with seven other kids that were above you. Um, so just knowing like it becomes really, I think true when you get that like phone call yeah, and they tell you exactly like you're where you're at, yeah. you know, you're one of six or seven. So they might say you're our top. So they're pretty black and white when you get on the phone with them and then you get on campus. So I think that, that, uh, personal connection when that happens, you're being recruited. Yeah. You're just getting emails. You're not quite there yet. Right. But when they actually make that like time to speak to you and get to know you and get you on campus, you're, you're part of the mix. I mean, sometimes you'll hear from your, you know, like college coaches will talk to you and then you can talk to the athlete. That right. Can help. Yep, yep. Sometimes you'll get these emails, like you said, but a lot of times they're just inviting you to the prospect day. And, you know, when you finally get a text that says, Hey, let's set up a call and you actually talk to them on the phone, it's a pretty good sign. Yep. Um, when you, actually, again, you still need to like that phone call, some schools call a bunch of people, some only yep. call five people. So that's yep. also situational, but sure. you're in a good start. To but at least, you know, you're kind of being recruited. One exactly. thing I always say is I hear people say like, I don't know, it's, I'm just getting these mixed signals. Like I, I, I can't really tell what they're thinking. And I'm like, listen, if you, if it's gray, it's actually black and white. Right. Yeah. Right. You are not being recruited. <laughs> you're really not being recruited. And you'll know when you're being recruited and you're going to be taking yeah. a visit to that institution and they'll be talking about a timeline. And I would like say there that. is a gray area where you are like second in line. So they yeah. still are giving you interest, but the other kid that's above you just hasn't decided. Right. So that's the gray area. Yes. You actually yeah. still might get the offer, but you're just on True. actually another kid's timeline. Yeah. So. You know That's what I see right. people drive themselves crazy with that yeah. I did not do right. is, oh, UNC looked at my video nine times. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I think actually they have something on those things sometimes where they like make up who watches your video too. <laughs> well, and by the way, if I was going to be running, you know, if I, if I wanted to run a great prospect camp and get a ton of people to show up, I just tell my assistant to go press play nine times on everybody's video you know i mean like honestly do not i would say 
do not, it doesn't tell you anything. Mm-mm, I know. If they've watched their video, except for it will drive you insane. And I listen to so many people talk about I mean, about I think that. we started with that control what you can control and you cannot yeah. control thinking like, oh, do they like me? Do they not like me? What's going on? They watch my video. Uh, you know what I mean? They wrote it me an email great. once. So just really control what you can control. Okay, how about this one? What do you do if you can't find a good lacrosse club where you live? How That's do you find hard. one? So hard. Uh, I mean, you can. then you're going to have to travel. So obviously, you know that. Like we have my team right now is based out of Philadelphia, but we have one kid in, from Colorado to, you know, two kids from Connecticut, kids from North Carolina. So you might just have to, then you're, you're traveling more to go find that spot that works for you. Um, Also just using like helpful advice. I know one kid tried to join my 22 team, but we're full and I I tried to put them in the right spot. Yeah. So I was like, Hey, I don't have any spots, but this club team down here, they're good and they have a spot or two. They'll really help you out. So I think, you know, going back to finding that advocate, you know, at your school, whether it be your coach, someone to help point you in the right direction. You also can just go crush it at camps, like go to a couple camps, you know what I mean? And get seen or if you're really, really good. Yeah. Like sometimes the club thing is great, but like also you can go to a camp and get seen as well if you're really good and you have the advocate. So having an advocate sometimes, you know, can help you just find a club team. And that's why getting, you know, having people that know people can, help you out and be like, you know, I know I do this all, quite often. I'll just be like, Hey, do you need a, you know, a 21 draw girl? And you're like, yeah, Actually, I do. And it's like, all right, well, I know somebody you can check it out. Um, and right. so sometimes that, that's, that, that can be really, really helpful, but it is really tough. If you don't have a good club in your area, chances are it's going to be hard, hard to be good enough. Right. Um, but it's definitely, you're not going to have an advocate if you don't have a decent club in your area. Right. And I mean, yeah, you could buy, if you don't have it, then just get someone that's willing to work with you a bunch and get you at the right camps to be seen. Yeah. You need someone to be getting you this, the eyes and some feedback. All right, last thing. Um, is Division One really for you? Be careful what you wish for. Division yeah. One lacrosse is a massive grind. If you don't love getting up at 5 or 5.30 to go lift, to practice, to come back to the facility at 6 p.m. for this to have study hall, life skills programs, rules, and time. I mean, it is a big job, and it's, it, yeah. you, you better love it. You got to. You have to love it. If you think high school's hard, then you, you're probably not cut out to go play Division One lacrosse. Um, it's just – it's a grind. It's a job, and you need to be willing to just, you know – dig down deep every single day and work your butt off for four years. So I just think sometimes people have this whole, like, it's so amazing to be part of like this, to wear all the gear and like travel. <laughs> you might actually not even travel if you're not good enough. So it's true. like, I think there's just, it's a rude awakening when you get there. Um, but I mean, it's up to you what, whether you want to make the best of it or not, or work hard or if that's for you. And it's one of the reasons why Division Three athletics is actually so special because it's not like, I mean, think about high school. Do you care about your high school? Of course you do. You love right. high school. High school, like the, the camaraderie and the competition, and you'll, you'll cry your eyes out when the season's over and the seniors graduate. Yeah. It's no different in Division Three. The difference is you actually will be able to do a lot of other things. I, I had a nice chat with the voting coach this past weekend. Yeah. Um, and it was really kind of refreshing to listen to. And I'm not saying – 
that it, the division three is for everybody, but I can tell you, you should not turn your nose up to it because it can be an incredible lifestyle. Oh, and yeah. My, play the sport you love. And my best friend, she went to division three and played lacrosse and she got a nursing degree while she was an undergrad. Like yeah. just understand also what you want to do. Like you wouldn't be able to do that at some places and play division one lacrosse. So, and she got to go abroad, which I never got to do. So there's things that yeah. there's some perks there and it's, yeah, you have to figure out what you want. And it's really important to trust your gut and your heart and not all the other noise around you that like, you need to go to division one. Like it's not the end all be all. It is for some people. It is for not for other people. Right. Well, Colleen, thank you so much for all of your knowledge on recruiting and wisdom and um, have an awesome rest of your day. And we'll see Thanks. you soon. Yeah. Thanks. See ya. <laughs> Bye Colleen. See ya. Hey, that was awesome. Thanks. Now we're done. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bye. The Philocrosophy Podcast is made possible in part by the JM3 Video Assessment Tool. There is no question that video is critical to player development. One way or another, your son or daughter must utilize video to learn their game and the game. To learn more, see video testimonials, or register, go to www.jm3sports.com forward slash video right now.